so as we have been doing, uh, we've been recommending our resources as we've gone along. And uh, we're going to be talking about teaching. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting communication <laughs> this morning. Um, so we've been doing communication in all different ways, and um, I, I figured, thought it would be good to cover some time this morning uh, talking about parenting. And uh, we're going we're gonna to hit parenting some more, I think, coming into the new year. Um, I'm going to be studying parenting anyway, so we're going to probably end up with a few messages on parenting. Uh, but this is going to be more focused on the communication part of it. Um, so got a few resources to recommend this morning. Um, one I don't have. Uh, I listened to it. I, didn't, I don't have it with me. Called Raising Men, Not Boys is Mike Fabares. Um, it's, you know, obviously, it's talking about raising sons. However, uh, it is applicable in so many ways to, to raising daughters as well. So I, I would recommend the book, whether you're raising sons or daughters, or <laughs> certainly both, right? Um, I, I, recommend, I would highly recommend this book, uh, Mommy, Tend Your Heart. Um, this is a, uh, the, the woman who wrote this is a wonderful woman. Um, and, um, but uh, even this morning, I was able to pull some, some, some valuable things out of here. And, that's, I, and I think I'm saying that from an objective perspective because <laughs> I was pulling stuff from other places too. Uh, teach them diligently, Lou Priolo. This is great. Teach, sort of a double meaning there. Teach them, your kids, teach them the principles from the word. Diligently and their way they might. That's a great book. And um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, Ted Tripp. I uh, actually pulled a few things out of this for this morning as well. So um, this is a great, great book as well. And uh, lastly is another one I don't have here, but you can actually get it online for free. And I'll probably post the link for this. It's the Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle. Um, I just listened to that again recently. And it's just, uh, I mean, it's very short and just very to the point, and he's very straightforward in it, and I think it would be a great way to uh, remind yourself of your duties as parents or duties of the parents you're going to become, whatever your situation is. Um, so uh, also, I came across an article as I was studying for this, and, and I'll probably put the, the link for this, but it's called, uh, When Your Six-Year-Old Professes Faith in Christ. And it was really good because he talks about the celebration of a child coming to the Lord, but then also being uh, understanding that the, the truth comes out in the way they behave and in their conformity to Christ as they grow and to be helping them in that way. So to be able to celebrate it, but also to be cautious and to help them grow in Christ as well. Um, another uh, resource that I just came across, I'd forgotten about it, and if you're homeschoolers, this is one you might want to look into, but it's called the Foundation of Biblical Discipleship, and it's a homeschool curriculum from ACBC on the Biblical Counseling. So you go biblicalcounseling.com slash foundations, and so it's like a one-year curriculum in discipleship. So it's, it looks like a really, I haven't gone through it myself, but coming from ACBC on the topic, I can't imagine it's not going to be useful. So, um, And then lastly... Uh, Ron, Ron and I were talking about the ACBC Fundamentals training class, and we're not going to do one for a while, um, probably not until 2025, but um, as a church anyway. But um, that, when Yvonne and I get in these discussions about parenting or marriage or all these things, most this week obviously on parenting, 
What we always end up coming back to is the value of going through the training and even the certification process of being a counselor. And even if you don't counsel others in a official capacity or within the counseling ministry at Grace, there's massive value in going through the process of getting the certification. Um, even if you do it slowly, it's, it's, just, it's well worth it. And we're not going to be doing a concentrated class, but all the recordings from our previous classes here, well, at least not all of them, I guess, but many of the recordings from the previous courses we've done here at Grace are available on the website. Uh, you can't find them. They're password protected. But if you want them, let me know, and I'll get you the link, and I'll get you the password to go through those if you like. Um, but, of course, there's more than just listening to a class. There's, there's, there's doing a bunch of papers, and there's a whole bunch of stuff to do. And I really think that going through the entire, maybe not the counseling hours if you don't plan on being a counselor, but but going through the process of doing the papers and everything, huge value. And when you're evaluating your children and what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're acting and their growth in Christ, having that background is invaluable. Really, it is. So um, I would recommend, as you have uh, time and ability and energy, uh, to do that while you're parenting on top of that and working and paying the bills and all those other things. You can, you can add it in. It's fine. No problem. So, as I said, we've addressed parenting topics in this class before, and we'll likely be doing more as we come in the new year. However, as in communication over these past several months, it seemed good to address this specifically parents uh, and children. And as I remarked last week, I'm saying again this week, formulating your plan and convictions regarding parenting your children is best done before having children. That's ideal if you can. Um, so really the ones who have the most to gain from addressing parenting are those who don't have children yet because you're going to be able to have the greatest opportunity to apply these things right from the beginning. Now, obviously, if you have kids already, that's the time, or if you have kids on the way or whatever you have, this is the time to jump in and get busy applying uh, things to that. So, so why is this important? So Counselor Sam Stevens said it pretty directly. He says, you have to plan... You have to have clear goals. You need to walk into parenting with the plan. He says, I love what Randy Patton always says, a sanctification doesn't happen in fuzzy land. And that can definitely be applied in parenting. If you try to walk into it, you can have the best intentions. But if you don't have a plan and goal in shepherding your children, it's going to be that much more difficult to be successful. So, and, that, and we talk a lot about intentionality in this class. And I, and I think that's where we miss a lot of time. I think I've said that. I don't know, several hundred times or something. But uh, we miss a not being intentional about these things. We sort of, we decide that we're going to have kids, we have children, they're here now, and then we're like, what do we do? Rather than having a plan beforehand as, and having convictions and instilling some disciplines before we have children so that we have a plan to raise them up from the beginning. Now, when he mentions Randy Patton there about sanctification not happening in fuzzy land, meaning the, the things that we pull out of the Word and we observe in our kids, those things and in ourselves as well, they're objective. We, looked at, we, we look at sin and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be mortified. Um, and it's not fuzzy. It's not, it's not hard to understand. Um, but he, Randy Patton actually is one more recommendation. Uh, he had, I came across a uh, conference message on the ACBC site. If you want this, let me know. But it's on disciplining for discipleship with your kids, and it's a, it's like an hour long, and uh, I, I listened to about the first half of it, and it was really worthwhile. Uh, anyway, 
But as any involved parent's going to tell you, there isn't much, uh, there, there's much less time to be considering these things when the children are here. So talking about preparing beforehand and coming to your convictions and those d- disciplines ahead of time, uh, you know, when the children are here, you don't have as much time and energy to be able to do it because you obviously have children to raise. Um, so I would say that even in talking about these resources, being ready before and you have kids to read plenty of resources and to reread those resources. Because you know how it goes, at least maybe all of you have like photographic memories and you remember everything you read and you just apply it on a regular basis all the time. I don't do that. I need to read it and I get the concepts and then when I read it again, I find new things I didn't catch the first time and I need to be reminded on a regular basis. So having the resources and picking them up on a regular basis is a good plan. So why is communication and parent-child relationships important to discuss? Well, Ted Tripp says in Shepherding a Child's Heart, this is your calling. You must raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You cannot do so without investing yourself in a life of sensitive communication in which you help them understand life in God's world. There's nothing more important. You have only a brief season of life to invest yourself in this task. You have only one opportunity to do it. You cannot go back and do it over. So we need to keep in mind that the obligation to parent well is the obligation to steward well. God puts these children in our stewardship. They are God's children. They are God's creations. He gives us the children in our home and under our care and under our instruction for a relatively short time. Normally, children are going to have decades of life after they leave our home. We only have them for a short time, but we are stewards of them as God has given us time to do that, as God has given us time to instruct them. The culture in the world around is always going to be communicating plenty of things to our children. It's, it's going to be happening. It's going to be happening in everything they see and hear around them. The world's going to be communicating a lot of concepts and ideas that are not pleasing to God, and they are not useful to our children in their growth in the Lord. As God has placed the responsibility on parents to train their children up in the discipline and instruction or fear and admonition of the Lord, parents are accountable to effectively counter whatever their children are hearing and seeing in their environment, in the culture. So when you think that through, the more exposure, we shouldn't be pulling our kids out of the world. That's not the idea. But as they are exposed to the world, as parents, we are required and we are responsible to counter those things that they are coming across, to be able to explain those in light of God's Word, through the lens of Scripture, explain to them what it is they're experiencing, seeing, and hearing in the world around them, so that they can interpret these things rightly by the Word, because they're not going to be able to do it by themselves, at first anyway. So what is the instruction to parents in Scripture? Well, obviously, we're not going to cover biblical parenting exhaustively this morning, nor are we even going to cover biblical communication exhaustively this morning. We're just going to hit on some some points this morning. But if we read in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 5, we'll go to verse 9. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, so this is instruction to the Israelites. And so we can see the command. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And we're going to read that. We, if we continue on in the New Testament, we read that same instruction in Matthew 22, Mark 12, and Luke 10. So it's not a strictly Old Testament thing, although it was to the Israelites in their situation as they were going into the promised land. God is commanding them, teach your children what I've taught you. Teach your children what I have given you that they won't be swayed by the culture around them. So the instruction is useful to us as well. So after the command of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might, we read the instruction to keep the command by keeping God's word on the heart. So we're called to keep God's commands on our heart. The means for doing this is diligently teaching God's word. It's talking about it, essentially all of the time. It says when you're sitting, when you're walking, when you're lying down, and when you're getting up. And the reminders of God's words are always to be present. So on the person, when it talks about frontals and bindings, it's supposed to be on their person. It's supposed to have it available to them all the time and written on the doorposts and the gates. So it's supposed to be surrounding them. God was commanding them, take my word and make sure it's around and that you see it all the time and that you're exposed to it on a regular basis, that you're exposing your children to it on a regular basis. So we go to the New Testament in Ephesians 6. Verse 4, we read, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that's very straightforward. We're not supposed to provoke our children to anger, and we're supposed to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, if we add in all that Proverbs says about training children, particularly sons, we have a lot of exhortation to training children, and the point is very clear. That's what we are expected to to do as parents. Now, Counselor Brad Brandt says regarding, this is what he says regarding Proverbs and kids receiving instruction. The assignment is really interesting to see in Proverbs 1.8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So the instruction, it's really practical assignment. Talk and teach. And then the child's responsibility is to listen and apply. And sometimes I think we can complicate it too much. End quote. So, it's very simple. We're commanded to teach, and they're commanded to listen and obey, right? Now, it's simple to say. <laughs> it's not always that simple to put into action, right? So, what are some of the topics addressed in Proverbs for parents to teach their children? Now, remember, I, I suggested going through Proverbs on a regular basis with your kids. And this is one reason why. Listen to all the things that are in Proverbs. This isn't all the things. This is some of the things that are in Proverbs for parents to teach their children. Uh, teach about authority. In Proverbs 1, temptation and peer pressure. Priorities, obedience. We need to teach our kids about obedience. It doesn't come naturally. We need to teach them that obedience is a good thing. God's discipline, discernment and decision-making, importance of learning, teaching about choices, heart issues, resisting sexual temptation. Got a whole, just about a whole three chapters of that, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. Uh, I think it's like 70% of those chapters is about sex, basically. 
uh, integrity, Proverbs 6. So in other words, parents are instructed to teach their children about all of life. If you take Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6, and Proverbs, just those three things, we can discern that we are supposed to be teaching our kids about everything in life. If we take Deuteronomy 6's how-tos, what we're supposed to do there, parents do train while life happens. So we don't, it's not our training in, in biblical things and in spiritual things are not separate from what's going on in life. We are teaching them as life happens. As life is going on, we to be, are to be teaching them. Parents are to communicate what the Word says regarding all that they experience, hear, and see, and what they're going to run into, you know, anticipating what are they going to run into in the future. When you read Proverbs and he's instructing his sons, he's telling his young sons about what they're going to run into, what temptations are going to come in the future. And he's giving them very visual ideas of what that looks like. Adultery is going to get you into a lot of trouble. He's, and he, he's very visual about the way he communicates those things. You're, you're leading yourself into slaughter, essentially, and a lot of things like that. So we're supposed to be looking at what they are, may encounter in the future, not just talking about the things that are happening now. But as we are dealing with the things that are happening now, just like any of us, we apply the word to those things, and then they can extrapolate from that, and they can apply to new things that come up, right? So we should be all the time finding out what's going on with our kids so that as things are happening, we can discuss the word as it applies to those things that are going on. So, Again, this brings us back to the fact that if we are going to teach the Word to our kids, we need to know the Word. And to know the Word, we have to be in the Word. So if we're not studying it ourselves, we have no way or we're going to really severely diminish our ability to teach them and lead them. And in addition, as all of God's Word is useful, we can't just know portions of it. We need familiarity with all of it so that we can take the things in the Word and we can relate them to what's going on in their life. One counselor said, what does this, the question, what does the Scripture say? Is the question Christian parents must continually ask in order to divorce secular ideologies from the revealed truth of God's Word. So that should be our question on a regular basis as we are training our kids. This happened. What does the Word say that applies to that? That should be our regular question. That should be our regular uh, inquiry as to what's going on, how does the word apply. Parents have an obligation to, this is another quote, parents have an obligation to know what the word of God says about the false ideologies and use biblical truth as the remedy against the lies of secular ideologies. Whatever is being taught in schools should be defined in biblical terms with true fidelity to scripture. Sin must be called out by its name to counteract the deliberate attempts to call evil good and good evil. Now, I don't know if you guys listen to the news much. I actually don't listen that much, but you don't have to be paying attention that much right now to realize that the schools are calling evil good and good evil. I mean, kids are being taught that evil is good and good is evil. Not only the schools, but all kinds of entertainment, children's entertainment and otherwise. So we have an obligation as, as parents to help them call sin what it is and help them recognize what that sin is. We can't just let them be influenced by what's around them apart from questioning what does the Scripture say about it. 
Parents are to make this happen. It's not anyone else's responsibility. No one else is ultimately accountable for the task. And also notice the responsibility lies in training for righteousness so that we're, we're called to love God and training and discipline and instruction of the Lord. And also, we go back to Ephesians 6, and we see it's to be done without provoking them to anger. In other words, parents are responsible to develop relationship as they train. So this is where we're getting more into the communication part of it. So a lot of this has been our responsibility, and of course, we're communicating the word, we're, t- we're listening to what's going on in their life, we're, we're applying the word to those things, but it comes in the fact that we are developing relationship as we train and not provoking them to anger in the process. Of course, all this training parents are responsible for requires communication. We can't, just, just like husbands can't love their wives well apart from communication, and conflict can't be handled without good communication. We can't lead our kids without communicating well. We just can't develop relationships with our children and train them to be godly by word and example without communicating well. So Taryn uh, DeFevers, he, he had a single line, and I didn't know exactly where to put this, but it's a good one to keep in mind. He says, put your children in the firing line of the means of grace. So put them in proximity to where they are going to receive the grace of God from His Word and from His church. So we need to keep our kids in the Word and in the church, meaning the not doesn't necessarily need to be Grace Community Church. Of course, that's where I would <laughs> suggest you stay and what you do a lot, but that's not the point. The point is amongst other believers, people that are going to encourage them in their faith. Now, before I get into more of the practical stuff very much, I would like to set some realistic expectations here. So Stuart Scott says, and this is where I hope that anybody who hasn't had kids yet doesn't like stop coming to the class so, or doesn't, decides not to have kids or something. Um, Stuart Scott says, I forget that I'm in a war. I'm in a spiritual war 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's sort of like living on red alert, and I don't always have that mindset each and every day, but I need to. The Bible calls us, God calls us to have that kind of a red alert. There's an enemy, but we must walk with the victor. So that is, a, that is a mindset I do think that parents get out of. We get out of the mindset that this is red alert. This is important, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's all the time we're on. We have to be thinking about these things all the time, and we need to be applying these things with our kids all the time. And I often tell people in talking about, in talking about parenting that one of the big misses is consistency. And we all have problems with that. I mean, we just do. Mike Fabara says, I got a, a few here from Mike Fabara, but he says, we can't delegate it and it's work. As fallen human beings, we all tend to be lazy. We tend to work really hard at having fun, but we don't work hard at the stuff that's hard. We want things with immediate payoff and raising our kids does not always have the immediate payoff. Being able to raise godly men or godly daughters, you're going to have to invest in things that are hard. They're going to take a lot of time, and there's not going to be an initial payoff. You're not going to see the fruit immediately. Growth is like a gardener that tills the ground and puts on the fertilizer to make sure that it's going to be nourished. It doesn't grow up overnight. We have to invest early on in the things we want to see in our kids, and it's going to be a challenge to do the work 
when I'd rather just sit down after work, put my feet up, have dinner, watch TV, read the news, read my magazine, go to bed. We have to work. It's going to be hard. You have to really fight to step up, disciple your children, and do it even though you don't feel like doing it. Sounds like fun, right? There's a lot of challenges with our laziness, our privacy, our autonomy. But as Christians, our life is about people. And as a parent, your life has got to be about shaping those young lives. You've got to get past the things that are difficult, the laziness, and just do the work. And I think that'd be a good mantra for just to stick, you know, Nike's got just do it, right? So just do do the work. And if we just kept that in mind, just do the work and be consistent. You know, I, I, I heard Chris... I don't know if Chris taught this or somebody talked about Chris a long time ago doing this, but, but his mentality was when he came home, he knew that Elisa had been with the kids all day, that some of the kids have been difficult recently, and he just knew that when he came home from work, it, was, it wasn't time to relax. He came home from counseling and doing all the hard things of being a pastor here, but when he came home, it was game time. It was time to get involved. And when we go into it with the mentality that that's what, the, what it looks like, that we go into it with the mentality of it's work and it's going to be work, and that's just the way it is. But it's only for a short time while we have our kids, but we're accountable for the, that short time we have the kids. When we have that mentality that we know that's the expectation, it's much easier to stay consistent in it. It's when we divorce our thinking from the fact that it's hard, that it makes it more difficult. We all know that if something difficult is coming up, or if we have something we need to work through, but we know it's going to be difficult, but it has to be done, we can get in there and do it. It's just that parenting, when you're talking 20 years, that's if you have one kid. You know, that's one for 20 years. You got a few more along the way. That could be 30 years. Who knows? Or more. You got a long ways to go. Well, keeping that mindset for that long amount of time is what is required of us to do. Um, something to keep in mind here, though, is that um, as this is a primary task as couples, our even greater task is loving and caring for our spouses. So we can't transfer that relationship work to our kids. Our marriage relationship should always come before your relationship with your kids, and the kids benefit from that. Children feel more secure in love in the home if they know that their parents love one another than they do if even they know a parent loves them. So we do our kids a real service by loving, and besides that, it's, <laughs> we please God in that we love our spouses. Um, so in doing all this, as we love our parents and as we keep these things in mind and as we are growing, we communicate by our example before our kids. It's hard to set a path for them to travel if we haven't tra- we're not traveling that path ourselves, right? If we're not committed to the Word, if we're not being discipled, if we're not learning and growing, then how, why would we expect our kids to do that? Jesus said that pupils that have been fully trained are just like their teacher. If your child followed your example, this is a good question, okay, just to consider this. If your child followed your example in every way, would that be the perfect result you would want for them? So if your child did everything you do and that's, that's how they turned out, would that be your ideal for them? Well, I, I don't think anybody in this room is going to stand up and say, yep, that's me. I do it perfectly. That's exactly what I want my kids to do. I want them to do exactly what I do. 
But that's the reality, that's the challenge, and that's what the expectation is, that we would be examples to our kids. We are setting an example, for good or bad. We're communicating what's important and what should be done by what we do, because they're watching us. Remember 1 Peter 5, Peter exhorts the elders to be examples to their flock. Paul told his spiritual children in the churches to follow him as he followed Christ. Shouldn't we be saying the same thing to our children, which is our flock in our home? Shouldn't we be able to say, follow me, and I'm following Christ, and really, truly seek to do that? Being careful to set an example worthy of imitation. So in what ways do we communicate by our example? Well, essentially, we set the example in our own practice of spiritual disciplines. So what believing parent wouldn't want their children to be wholeheartedly pursuing godliness by means of spiritual disciplines? So we'll probably talk about spiritual disciplines in the new year too, but um, do those children observe examples of pursuing godliness and studying God's Word or faithfully coming to the preaching of His Word, practicing one another's giving, etc.? Are they observing that? As, as parents, are we setting that example? Are we setting that for them to copy? Is that what they are seeing, is us being disciplined in our sanctification, disciplined in our pursuit of conforming to the image of Christ? We communicate to our kids as they listen to us pray. Are we thankful in our prayers? Do we expect them to be thankful if they don't hear us being thankful? You know, that, that's a huge, a huge complaint of parents of teenagers, right? They're completely unappreciative. They completely are unthankful. Well, not that it's going to get fixed by this, but do they hear us being thankful? Our kids need to hear us expressing our thanks for all things, not just the food we're about to devour. They need to hear us appreciating our spouses and our spiritual leaders. They need to hear us being thankful for God's great grace toward us and salvation. They need to hear the gospel in our prayers. They need to hear us thanking God for saving us. It's not hard for kids to understand what's important to us as we're setting that example, right? It's not difficult for us to, to tell what's important to somebody else. It's not difficult for our kids to figure out what's important to us. All they need to do is to observe where we put our time and where we put our money. If they're looking at us and they're saying, this is what he does with his time, this is what she does with the money, those are the things that are important. They're going to figure that out really fast. Regardless of what we say, those are going to be the indicators. So now that we have some grounding on the importance of parents communicating effectively, um, I'd like to include some practical thoughts and things to, just some things to consider. So Ted Tripp says, we often think of communication as the ability to express ourselves. Accordingly, we think of ourselves as talking to our children. Instead, you should seek to talk with your children. Communication is not monologue, it's dialogue. And so we do, when we talk about teaching them the Word and to teach them godly principles and to teach them to be... All these things, we're talking about talking to them, right? But this is where teaching them in the milieu, so to speak, or the culture that you're in, in their life as it goes on, this is where you're talking with them. You're hearing what's going on. You're hearing their thoughts on it and then helping them decipher that according to Scripture. He also said just a good thing to, to keep in mind. He said, some people think listening is what you do between opportunities to say something, right? And that's not the case. We need to be listening, truly listening. We've talked a lot about listening during this communication series. 
So remember all we reviewed in Proverbs about a fool doing a lot of talking and not much listening. That's what, as we were talking through Proverbs, that was coming up over and over again. The fool does a whole bunch of talking and he's not doing any listening. The wise person listens before he responds and draws out from others, like, a, like from a deep well, they draw out what's going on inside the other person. That's what we're called to do with our kids. We're called to draw out from them what they're thinking, what their desires are, what's important to them what their struggles are. We, try, we need to draw those things out. So those things in Proverbs, they don't change because the one to be listened to is our child. And remember, it's folly and shame to answer without first hearing. If we don't listen fully, we're not going to answer rightly. We're not going to answer fully if we don't listen fully. So <clears throat> this... I got a few great points from Mommy Tend Your Heart here. So, um, and Yvonne's here, not here, so she doesn't have to blush or anything. But uh, when my, she says, when my children were still small, I heard a radio Bible teacher describe the importance of building a strong parent-child relationship. He likened it to weaving tiny individual wire threads together into a sturdy cable. The more threads that are woven together, the stronger the cable becomes. However, if the threads are snipped one by one, the cable weakens, losing its durability. So that's a, I just thought it was a really good visual. I mean, how do, we, how do we weave that cable with that strong connection, that strong bond with our kids? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is time. We do it with time. Um, the more time we invest, the stronger that cable is going to become. The opposite is true as well. The less time we invest, the more we're going to cut those individual strands because kids really a lot of times, if not all the time, they understand our love by the time that we give them. She, said, she also says, by encouraging your children to share what is important to them when, you are, when they are young, you pave the way for them to share what is important as they get older. If your children learn you aren't interested in what they have to say, they will find someone else with whom to share their hearts. Not only will your failure to listen prevent you from knowing what is going on in your children's hearts, it will also prevent you from having the opportunity to speak into their lives. So this is true of all relationships and communication. We've already talked about this in general, um, but listening to someone communicates care and concern, right? We, we talked about how if we don't listen, we don't, they're not going to think we care. They don't have any reason to think we care if we're not paying attention. Remember the saying we've mentioned before that, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? I mean, it's, it, it's sort of a trite statement, I guess, but it, it's true. People don't care. They don't want to hear what you know. They don't want your counsel. They don't want to hear anything you have to say. They don't care about you unless you first let them know you care about them by listening to them and drawing them out. With our children, we are building trust in them by listening to them starting when they're very small. And this is not easy. She says, sometimes we will need to take time to listen when we have 10 other pressing things we would like to be doing. It means we will have to set aside various tasks so we can sit with them and listen to the concerns that are weighing heavily on their hearts. It means we won't complete everything we hope to accomplish in a day. We may have to leave unfinished household tasks undone, but we will be blessed because it allows us to weave a stronger relationship with them. Even reading that, I'm thinking, who cares about all the other stuff that needs to get done? Who cares? If it doesn't get done, if the house isn't spotless, if the yard doesn't get mowed, who cares? If, if the kids are being ministered to and you have time for them, 
far greater value in that. Now, I'm not saying don't do anything else, obviously, because you're not training your kids well to let things go and being a sluggard, as, as Chris talks about this morning. That doesn't, that's not helpful either. But if they need to talk about something and we find something else to be a greater value, we are missing the mark. We're missing our opportunity. Uh, one way to do this, one, uh, one way to give intentional time that I've maybe mentioned it here before is date nights. Start with them when they are early. Just get out on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. We had four kids, so it was once a month. I went out with one of them each week. And I'm telling you, that was one of the greatest values I had as parenting because it's an automatic hour, two, three hours, however long we were out on a Thursday night or whatever it was. And we would typically go get dessert, get some ice cream or something some way, or do something else they wanted to do. It wasn't spending a bunch of money, just getting out and getting out with them and spending that concentrated, intentional time. Remember, quality time comes out of quantity time. You cannot plan, not very often anyway, you can't plan quality time. Quality time is often, most often going to come out of quantity time. It's like, so National Geographic, you know, they've had all these wonderful pictures and I don't even, do they have any print a magazine anymore? But anyway, they used to print this magazine. They had all these beautiful pictures and everybody's like, wow, those National Geographic photographers are awesome. No, they were taking thousands of pictures and picking the best ones. They weren't just like, oh, it's a wonderful shot and taking the one shot and it's done. They were taking thousands of pictures to get the ones that were in the magazine. Same thing. We are going to spend tons of time, if we spend tons of time with our kids, that's going to communicate value to them. But those quality moments, the things that they're going to remember and the memories that they're really going to care about later on are going to come out of that time. Oftentimes, those memories are they're of a, a, a bigger concept, not so much a single moment. Um, it's gone longer than I thought it would. I thought it was actually at the time at the end for questions. Um, So the last thing, well, let me, let me just sort of sum up. Um, so the main points keep in mind as, we, as I finish this morning. God, God, God places the responsibility and accountability for training our children in our stewardship. He, he gives us children our home as we are stewards to train them, and we're responsible and accountable for that. Secondly, we're training our children as life happens, always ready to help them apply the Word to what they experience, see, and hear around them. Next, we need to know the Word in order to teach the Word. So if we're not in the Word, we're not going to have anything to teach them with. We're not going to be able to relate life to the Word because we're not going to have that familiarity ourselves. Next, it's lots of work and life-consuming while children are in the home. Knowing and planning for this truth makes it easier to focus on doing it. Next, we communicate more by our example than by our words. Remember, things are more often taught, caught than taught. We can say a lot of things, but they're going to see the reality in how we live it out. Listening, next, listening opens the door to telling. Also, we develop relationship by investing time. And lastly, we need to have answers for their questions. Uh, and this is going, that's the part I didn't get to, but that requires more work. And when I say we need to have answers for the questions, I'm, I, I mean that in a general sense of whatever is going on in their life, if they come, us, come to us with questions, we need to have a biblical answer. We need to be prepared to be answering those questions. 
And a lot of stuff comes down to common sense where we can say, I'm an adult, I've experienced this, I know this, I can, I can relate to this, and I can answer this. But so much of it, we need to be able to back that up with what we know from the Word. But more than that, uh, I recently listened to a couple of Ken Ham books, Ready to Return and The Lie, Evolution in Millions of Years. And um, he requoted in those, he recorded some statistics that they did from a massive study from an external company. They hired an external company to do this huge study of church-going kids. These are church-going kids. And there was a huge percentage of these kids that were leaving the faith, that were bailing out of church completely when they got to high school and college, mostly when they got to college. But what they were finding in questioning them was not that they were bailing out in college. They were not losing their faith because some professor had said something brilliant and they said, oh, you're right, God doesn't exist or whatever. That's not what was happening. They were already checked out late grade school, junior high, because their questions were not being answered. And by the time they got to college, it was just confirmed at that point and they, and they had the opportunity because they weren't home anymore and they didn't have to go to church, so they didn't. So the important thing is, is that we're able to answer these. So, so this, is, this gets us more into apologetics, which just is more work. So, but it is. We need to have answers for our kids and be asking the questions if they understand these things. So we need to be ready to give a defense, an apologia, to everyone who asks about the hope that is in us, and that includes our kids. So um, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for your word, that you have given us revelation of yourself, that you have made yourself known in a, in a particular, special, specific way, that you have communicated to us your will, that you have given us the understanding and um, the knowledge we need to trust in Christ, that we have knowledge that we can impart to our children, that we can have the answers um, in how to please you how to live according to your word and in a way that is best for us also. And I pray that you would help us as we continue to teach and train our kids, that you would enable us to set the example for them that we ought to set, that we would truly be desiring to live in a way that's pleasing to you and that is um, an example for our kids to follow also. And I pray that you would go with each of us as we leave class this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.